What up, what up? Welcome to Mind Your Hives Beekeeping. I am your host, Greg Lehman. I'm here with my wonderful wife, Kara Jo. Hello, hello. Uh, if you are just tuning in, welcome to the show. Little, welcome. Little uh, introduction we've been doing, which has been, being, which has been received pretty well, is uh, just want to let you know, this is a beekeeping podcast, but, uh, but we like to have a little bit of fun. We like to go off on little tangents. Typically, we're cracking a beer, but it's Sunday morning. It's February 25th. And we're not drinking. We're not that bad of I th- alcoholics. <laughs> I think this is the first time we've ever not had a beer. Yeah, maybe this will be a super boring episode. But uh, but yeah, we like to go have a little bit of fun, have some jokes, go off on some tangents. We're not just reading B research papers to you. We uh, and if that's what you're looking for, go 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 listen to another podcast. Yeah, there's plenty of them out there. Yeah. So this episode, we're gonna get into some kind of beginner questions. It's that time of year where a lot of beginners are hitting us up. Um, we'll talk a little bit about some like mite treatment stuff. You know, a lot of this podcast comes from questions that uh, come from you. So, you know, thank you to all the folks that are reaching out cause you're killing it. Yeah, we love it. And then we're going to have a special herb corner today. Yeah. It's like herbs meet bees. So, yeah. all right, well, let's get into it. So, all right. Um, it's beginner time. So hopefully anybody that's listening to this, first of all, if you're a beginner and you're listening to podcasts, you're already doing the yeah, right thing absolutely you know you're doing research you're trying to get ahead of it um i remember you know 10 years ago before we started i read like every book i could find i was watching all these youtube videos and there wasn't podcasts <laughs> no did they even exist not they weren't very popular yeah i least. mean they existed but it was not a it was not a thing and and i said on a previous episode even the youtube stuff there was like a handful of people nobody was in our area so what they were talking about was just n- not even matching up with what we do. And also they were terrible. <laughs> you know, the information was bad in hindsight. And also I don't, there didn't seem to be a large supply of local bee stock either. Like everybody was getting them shipped from the South. Yeah. So we got our first, our first uh, bees that we ever got um, were packages that we ordered from I want to say maybe Kelly bees. Oh yeah. We've told this story before. I think they were in Kentucky. Um, but I got like one, you know, you read all these things. It's like Russian bees. Yeah. You know, in hindsight looking at it, it's like not really a thing that you should care about as a, as a beginner beginner. And also you lose, um, genetics so quickly that. Yeah. So, but we, yeah, we got like one Italian and one Russian, both packages showed up completely dead. Yeah, it was sad. And even the mailman was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I I deliver bees all the time. People get packages of bees all the time. I've never seen this. And he goes, typically, I I would tell you not even to accept the package. But he's like, you know, call the company and have them. And so it turned out that in, uh, so they went from Kentucky to a distribution center, FedEx, UPS, whatever, in Louisville, and in Louisville, whoever was working in that office was scared of the bees and literally left them sitting in the corner of their office for seven days and they died. And then I called Kelly and was like, told them to happen. And they're like, all right, we'll send it one more time. But like, that's it. We're not like, you got to talk to the post office or something. I remember it being so stressful. Yeah. So, I mean, moral of that story is don't ship bees. It's not work. There's no reason you should be shipping bees. Honestly, I'm a package hater. Packaged bees, I hate. We're in Pennsylvania. 
they're the only places that are doing packages have to be warmer weather climates because they're you know you you got to build up the stock of bees in order for them to just like you know shovel bees into a box um so they have to be down south so you're not even getting bees that are acclimated to your climate at all you're not getting bees that are even a part of the same hive for the most part it's just right. a mixture of all these hives they dump all the workers in the bin they scoop them out and then the they've found out that like the bees when you do that they all it takes them a while to get in sync with one another and understand what their roles are so they're not performing in the way that you think they would be and uh it's not the case with every company but most of those companies all of those bees were sent out to pollination they were they're coming they've been shipped all over the country they've been mixed with all these other you know overpopulated areas with bees they're coming back sick often yeah i'm not exactly stoked for that that doesn't sound like the bees i want to start my beekeeping career with huh i didn't know that that's what or a lot of them came from they just oh, take yeah. those bees and then resell them yeah exactly i mean Damn. that's a part of the whole game they get paid for pollination services they come back they get paid boom packages queens i mean you know don't hate the player hate the game but if if you want to get a package fine uh i just don't recommend it yeah uh and certainly don't get them shipped there's a lot of people that'll drop from our area that'll drive down south and pick up a bunch of packages and drive them back up and again you know that's better than shipping them but you're still not getting the quality of bees that i would want from my area um, like an overwintered queen that's been proven yeah. that survived uh and the but the other thing is, is you know i recommend everybody get uh nucleus colonies nukes um but as a beginner when you get that nuke you know, you're kind of starting off, I say, like getting a package is like start learning to drive with a, you know, a Honda. Getting a nuke can be like learning to drive with a Ferrari. You know, those bees are, they already have eggs. They're already booming. You don't necessarily, I'm sure you don't if you're a beginner, you don't have the frames built out. So, I mean, you're going to get four or five built out frames in that nucleus package. I guess we should say what a nuke is. Okay. Uh, nuke is typically four or five frames. Um, with a queen, they all come from the same hive. You're going to get like a frame that has pollen and nectar, a frame that's all eggs, a frame that's capped brood, a frame that's open. Well, that's if you get a well put together nuke. Yeah, true that. Um, what you should get when in nuke. So you're going to get five built out frames. You're going to get activity. They're already going to be going, but then you're putting them in an, in your own boxes, right? And you're putting blank frames with them, so they got to build out. So if you're not if you're not paying attention those bees all, all of a sudden could be overcrowded because bee space only is the amount of space they have that queen has to lay. Right. So if you're, you can have all the boxes in the world, but if the frames aren't built out, the bees look at that, like, well, that's not space. You know, that's nothing to us. We're overcrowded. We're going to, we're going to swarm. So, you know, you got to be on it. Uh, if you go on our YouTube page, mind your hives beekeeping, um, I do have an early inspection that we did. Uh, we volunteer hives at this great spot, College Settlement Camp. Um, and for their campers, I, I just threw like a, a GoPro on my head. And I did that kind of first or second inspection after installing a nuke. And you'll see how I rearrange frames and how I go about making sure that they're, they have a little bit more space. I think that's really, really key. And the rearranging of the frames is promoting bu their building. 
Yeah, it, and it, it's making them feel like they have more space too. Um, and it's going to get them to walk over the empty frames, which is going get to get them to build them faster. Um, and, you know, we're, we, we're, we're selling some bees this year. Um, we've been inspected by our, our state inspector uh, for, I don't know, the past like five years or so, but we've never really sold bees. We've sold some queens when we had extras because just really more to help people out. Um, but this year we decided to sell just a certain number of, of nukes. Uh, and I'm really excited. We took pre-orders. We're, we're pretty much sold out. We have a couple available, but, um, but it's, I'm excited because I, I really wanted them to go more towards beginners or, and, and, or early beekeepers, right? So first, second year. Um, and I think most of the people buying were that way. And I'm excited. Karen and I are going to do like a little workshop when they pick them up. And we're going to show them like, Hey, I'm going to show them, Hey, I'm going to do an, a nuke install right now. And then maybe I'll crack open a hive that I already did a split with and show them, okay, this is how we do the B spacing. And then it's just question and answers, but that's going to be fun. So yeah, right, that's a nuke. A couple of those people are also like getting back into beekeeping after some failure. Yeah. One thing that we see a lot is people in, well, in 2020, this was really popular, but people got into beekeeping. They did like an online course. They watched YouTube, whatever. Then they failed. And Which happens that's to not, everybody. That's not a <laughs> knock on that, on that person because beekeeping really is difficult. And unfortunately, you know, social media makes everything look like it's the perfect world and it's easy. Yeah. You know, everybody shows you all the good stuff. Uh, so, like, oh, I can get into bees. Look at this woman with her hair down that just doesn't even have a veil on. <laughs> That talks like this. And um, and then they failed. And then they go, oh, you know what? I should take a class. Or they just go, I'm done. I'm not doing it ever again. Yeah, so many people so, one, two years are out. So we take a lot of pride in the genetics. Like we, I know which hives we're going to split from. And I want the best genetics to go to people. Like it's just, I find somebody that takes pride in what they're doing. Like I want them to succeed even more than I want us to succeed. You know, you hear somebody, it's like, ah, oh, I lost my bees last year. You're like, all right, I'm get, you're going to, I'm juicing you up. You're going to get. Yeah. But it's also, then they got to do the legwork. It's not just going to be the genetics that you receive, but that's a huge head start that you get. Um, so if, you, I mean, if you haven't already, make sure you're reaching out to some people and getting, yeah, cause getting people, on their lists. And even the big, even if you do go the package route, they, don't they sell out like yeah. they don't have i feel like packages aren't selling out because i think people are getting smarter and smarter oh interesting um but they might still be selling out i'm not sure i'm not positive yeah but i would look into it you don't want to wait too long because you could then and like sometimes people like i can get you it but it's not until like in the middle of the season and then it's hard to build them up in time so you want to make sure that you that you have bees unlock yeah and it was i i heard somebody go like oh you don't need to worry about pre-ordering bees like bees will be available man what a swing and a miss on that statement do you really want to buy bees from somebody that wasn't planning on selling them that just was like all of a sudden like oh i caught a swarm i gotta sell some bees oh uh, yeah i had to make this split i'm gonna sell some bees it starts getting later in the season or do you want to buy bees from somebody that's planning on it yeah that's doing their due diligence that's ready for this to happen yeah, I think maybe you should get ahead of it a little bit. Well, it would also be so disappointing. Maybe you're taking a class, you got the equipment, you're all ready, and then you can't get them. So why wait? I just don't think you should wait. Yeah, a few years ago, there was a, a teacher that, that sold all these bees to uh, his or her students and then completely dropped the ball and didn't, his bees didn't, or her bees didn't over, overwinter properly, lost a ton of hives, 
Next thing you know, I'm hearing from students that they weren't able to buy bees until mid-June. Yeah. Our one friend got bees in July because this beekeeper didn't have their stuff together. And then you're not building up the population. You're not building up the stores. You're not building out the frames that you need. And then you're just like really going to have a hard time and, and that was in, the, the, the winter the first year i'm talking about you know we we had these bees ready to arrive you know maybe let's call it april 14th they sat in a in louisville for 10 days seven whatever it was didn't get to us until towards the end of april then they were dead we had to reorder bees we ended up not getting bees till like june 1st and yeah we lost some bees that year yeah, funny. Enough, I think we the had Russian, one hive survive. I was gonna right? say, funny enough, the Russian bees did did end up surviving uh, that year. But it was like we I mean talk about a frustrate starting out as a beginner behind the eight ball. And we've talked about it before, but like when you're a beginner, you're like, I don't want any of the bees to die. Not that you want bees to die, period. But like you're just more sensitive to it. And then these dead packages arrive, and it was just so heartbreaking. Oh, it was terrible. It smelled bad too. <laughs> So gross. Just a clump of 3,000 dead bees. Ugh. So, all right. Some some beginner questions that have come through, come past our desk. Uh, 10 frame versus 8 frame. Okay. Like which one to do? Yeah. So, um, so 10 frame. So, obviously, we're talking about, you know, the boxes. The boxes will fit a 10 frame setup. Okay. We're talking about Langstroth hives here. Okay. So Langstroth is what I would refer to as the beekeeping standard. There's other, there's others, top bar, there's Ware. Uh, if you're a beginner, start normal. Don't, don't start with a flow hive. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Yeah. Uh, we did, we did have somebody reach out about the flow hive and I, I was like, um, we've talked some smack on this before, but, uh, we are against the flow hive. Um, certainly for beginners, we think beginners need to start out with the basics, really fully learn to understand the bees. And then if you want to kind of graduate to using this plastic setup with the, the flow hive, so be it. But learn the right way first. Um, and the thing with the flow hive, I, technically, it's just like the supers, you know. So you're still like the brood chambers should be the exact same as as a Langstroth normal setup. Um, but I, you know, so many people are like, oh, this Kickstarter, this thing, it says it's so easy. And and a lot of my problem with the flow hive is that it's just people that want honey. And they're like, this is easy to get honey. This is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a beekeeper so I get honey. And this is the easiest way to get honey. And that mindset isn't my kind of beekeeper. Yeah, of course. You know, honey is a byproduct. Honey is like the bonus for when you keep your bees alive. And yeah. So anyway, 10 frame versus eight frame. So, um, you know, it's interesting. We have a lot of eight frame equipment because of what I said earlier. What, which was what? Oh, just getting it from people that people that quit, quit. that quit beekeeping, and then we get their equipment for cheap or for free. Um, we also started mediums for weight for me, like um, yeah. So frame. mediums versus deeps. Yeah. Yep. So we do all mediums. We do have some deeps, and I think I'll probably mess around and do some like single deep. We've inherited some for having fun, yeah, yeah, which will be interesting to get into. But if I think considering weight is important, and also we just did all um, mediums because then you can like use the box in any the interchangeability, yeah, and you can use frames in any box, and so you kind of 
yeah, you can interchange and you have more options. Yeah. So, all right. So 10 frame, I will say, um, eight frames a little easier. And, and I think eight frame is technically closer to the exact size that bees prefer in the wild. They like it a little bit smaller. Hmm. Um, certainly the boxes are lighter, but you got, this is, there's always a, you know, there's always a yin to a yang. Yes. A little bit tighter of a space, but that also means you're more on that edge. Less space equals more swarming, more chances of swarming. So I, I'll, I'll tell you in the springtime, I'll go out and I'll look at an eight frame box and be like, Ooh, this box is pretty booming, but there's a little bit of room to, to grow. I think we're going to be all right. That, that next time I go in swarm cells over, yeah. you know, versus 10 frame. You're like, okay, the same amount of bees as that eight frame, because they're kind of growing at the same rates. Right. But there's that little bit more space. So if you think about it, if it's just three brood boxes, you know, that's still six more frames which what does that equal like uh court 25 percent more frames that are in the same three boxes versus 10 frame versus eight frame so it gives you a little bit more leeway um i don't know if i've even noticed i'm like trying to think right now and i do think i prefer 10 frame over eight frame and i'm not so sure i find that 10 frames are that much heavier than eight frame like boxes um but I don't know. It does seem a little bit like uh, less less maintenance with 10-frame boxes than 8-frame boxes. Yeah, there's just that little bit extra space. But, like, they, I, I will, they are lighter. I mean... Of course they're lighter, but I'm saying, like... They're lighter, but not, it's not as noticeable. Maybe a lot more noticeable, though, if you're talking about 10-frame... Or, excuse me, if you're deeps. talking about deeps. Oh, 100%. 100%. You know, that's where you're seeing, like, okay, because two deeps equals three mediums, you know? So... Each of those deeps is at least 33% heavier than a full medium. Which so is, then talk about 10 instead of eight on top of that. You know, you're looking at probably 50% heavier. And then again, like, uh, you know, when it's at your height, like your belly button, maybe up to your chest, that's fine. But once you're stacking over and you got to like lift up this whole box, like over on the top, that can get real heavy and real precarious. That was funny. I was sitting in the back back room back of this uh class the other day and the teachers were like yeah you gotta make sure your hive stands are up because skunks you know you want to make sure that the skunks are whatever whatever um you can look it up it's easy stuff but i heard this person in front of me they were like oh let's use that table that we have as the hive stands and i'm like i was like i have to speak up because i'm seeing these people go like oh we need to go high it's like and then it's gonna be above your head real quick yeah you don't want more than call it 18 inches you know for a stand before you're getting in trouble we used these big tree stumps one year and they were probably 24 28 inches high they were high and i used to have to stand on something yeah you would we would then move cinder blocks over because in order to get the supers off you had to step on a cinder block not ideal yeah so hive stands same thing like make sure you're thinking about it we I actually just cut uh, this forest apiary we're building. I just bucked um, some trees that I dropped and uh, I cut them to about 16, 18 inches to use the stumps, which I'm really excited about. They're just going to look rad and and it's free. And it's reusing these trees that are dead. Yeah. Yeah. Emerald ash borer. When I went out and looked at the stumps that you cut, uh, my first thought was like, oh, these are low because our other stumps are so high. And then I was like, no, no, these are good. (laughs) (laughs) This is what we want. 
Um, so yeah, so I, I, I can't say that there's, you know, 10 versus eight. If you want to commit uh, to, to doing it, just commit, you know, pick one and go with it. Yeah. Because you have to think about it. You need different size bottom boards, uh, different size entrance reducers, different size inner covers. If you're using them or telescoping covers or migratory covers. Um, so, you know, just thinking about that, it's not all uniform. If you go eight to 10. Um, there was a lot of discussion on, uh, that it's, I think this is, again, this is coming from like the social media world, but gloves versus no gloves. I don't remember this even being like talked about when we started. Gloves versus no gloves. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like it was one of those things where I looked at it and go like, uh, you'll get comfortable enough and you'll use no gloves. Like, yeah. Remember we started pretty easy and we used those plastic gloves, those like what it like nurses use the, yeah nitrile oh, gloves oh i hated those oh they they're so hot and, and there's a sweat dripping out of them and i would you would move it makes your hands sweat and then i would move and there would be so much like sweat and liquid built up in yeah. the gloves that i would think that there would be like a bee in yeah, my you, glove. yeah if you put your hand up the sweat would drip down your arm and then you would feel a trickling sweat and go oh there's a bee in my suit yeah oh they were the <laughs> worst and then your fingers would get all wrinkly and they don't keep you from being stung so i was like i don't get why it. even wear them and it's a complete waste of resources yeah it's so yeah you know, you're not reusing gloves like that no you can't reuse there's them. there's people that use like kitchen gloves i i just it, like dishwashing gloves? yeah i just I they don't, can't fit very well i don't get it uh i tend to start out whenever i beep i start without using gloves i just i go into the hives i don't have gloves on especially in the springtime springtime bees are so nice they're just they're they have an abundance of resources i mean if they're not there might be a problem you know they might be have a ton of mites they might be diseased they might be getting getting attacked by some animal they might have a mouse in the hive they might whatever it is hunger hunger was a big one um but for the most part they're so gentle and nice and then you know, if I, if all of a sudden I get to a a pissy hive, um, I'll go, "Hmm, maybe I'll throw some gloves on. And we have like a bunch of them. I mean, we have the standard kind of what lamb skin. Yeah. Well, we didn't start off with goat goat skin. I don't don't even know what they are. They're leather, some type of. Yeah. Leather. They got like a little bit of insulated cuff, but I, I will say if you're using those gloves and they don't fit you, yeah, that was a big thing. There's a problem. There, well, then you're just using equipment incorrectly. Well, G- I, get gloves that fit you, and they work very well. And yeah. guess what? You don't get stung. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They don't really sting you through that. No, every once in a while, like one will find if, and it's usually because you're not wearing them properly. Like they're bunched up in a weird way at, around the cuff. But some every once in a while, some, one will find that little bit of like the the, me- the mesh spot at the seam, and they can pop you. But it's so rare well so we didn't start out not wearing gloves we eventually got to not wearing gloves but i in the beginning was using like small men's gloves and it was so cumbersome yeah and i just really hated it and i was like okay excuse me i think i'm going to go gloveless and then when we found a local uh bee supply store they had and i have large hands for a woman like i have tall tall i have long fingers and i found extra small gloves and i bought them and they actually fit me great yeah so um i couldn't get my pinky in those gloves but yeah Kara fits them perfect yeah and so they're really nice when i do want to wear gloves um 
Those are great. I love them. Buying equipment online, especially clothing equipment for beekeeping online is really tough. It's really tough because the sizing of things, I guess buying any type of clothing online is probably tough. I don't know, but it's tough because the sizing is all over the place. I mean, I have full, full bee suit, like a full ventilated, um, you know, one piece jumper John that is a five XL. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, I'm six, six. 257 pounds i think i said 270 on a on an earlier episode and kara's like you're not 270 right now (laughs) like i have been uh and i wear i'm like a 2x in most things i i'm like actually if anybody wants to send me clothes you know i'm like an xl (laughs) tall perfect but uh but i remember being like all right cool i'll get like a 2x and then i looked at the sizing and i did i it literally was like 2x you know 62 inches long i'm like uh I'm 60, wait, I'm seven, or it said 72 inches long. And I was like, I'm 77 inches long or 78 inches long. Like this isn't going to fit. And then I had to go five X and it's, uh, I don't know, maybe it, I think it's from Pakistan or something. Maybe I don't know, or Pakistani people considerably smaller. Um, I know I've ordered stuff before that I found out came from China and it's like, you get it. And you're like, is this a women's XL? This is crazy tiny. So just make sure you're looking at the sizing. Gloves is like so hard. Beyond the sizing, like the measurements. The measurements. Yeah, the, the specific measurements. measurements. And you know what? I really, it's funny. I had these like white jeans and then I'm like, oh, these are going to be my beekeeping jeans. <laughs> like they're my nice white jeans. And uh, so I used to wear those and a jacket. But I really do like the one piece zip up. You don't have to worry about tucking anything in. And it's just, you can be wearing a really you know shorts and a sports bra and i can and it can be hot and it's ventilated i like the ventilated um yeah and it's got so many layers that i mean do you get stung sometimes yeah but you're a beekeeper it's gonna happen such a silly question that's like my number one question do you get stung well like what do you think the number one question is do you get bit oh yeah Mm, never (laughs) no never actually i've never once been bit it's pretty great Although we did just learn about stingless bees. Oh, yeah. They've got like chompers and on them. And they don't sting. They bite. Like, yeah, yeah. it's not like they don't ever, they can't get you. I said to the guy, I'm like, man, stingless bees have a great marketing team that yeah. they're referred to as stingless bees. I would have thought they were would be referred to as biting bees. Yeah. Now we can start referring to our yeah, um, so, honeybees as biteless bees. <laughs> biteless bees. Dumb. Yeah. We're rocking biteless, bee, biteless honeybees over here. They have these like jaw mandibles kind of, and they just like getcha yeah. and there's like venom in it right yeah yeah it's gnarly uh, was there venom in it i, I think so because there's venom in the sting i think there's venom in the bite that's interesting but yeah apparently it's like a pretty gnarly bite yeah it looks i'm like oh my god i think i'd rather be stung um i wonder if they die afterwards probably not they're not no. ripping out the back of their intestines no they're like head isn't falling off yeah when they, they bite you um they might die because you go ah and you swat them yeah so i would try to find Try to find some gloves. I, I mean, at this point now, they probably sell like those extra small gloves online, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to just have like have a tight pair that like fit you. And and my extra small gloves are like a little tight, but I'd rather them be like a little tight than too big. And if, if when it's warm too, they get they get a little wet, they loosen up. You know, it's one of those things you put them on, they're a little crunchy. Uh, and then within a few minutes, you're like, oh, these are great. These yeah, are fine. Totally. Um, but you think of gloves as like a tool, you know, like 
you don't necessarily need to start out wearing gloves, but if you sense the hives are acting up and, or you're in a rush or, you know, you're extra, you're, you're, you're stealing honey, you know, it's the end of the season. It's the middle of the summer. It's a dearth. The bees aren't going to be so stoked that you're taking, maybe it makes more sense to, to put some gloves on. Or like, if you gotta be quick, sometimes I've gone out and like, all right, there's a storm coming. I need to do something here. I need to throw some gloves on because it does give you that little bit of leeway to, you know, you might squish a bee by accident. Yeah, you are going to kill rush. more bees with the gloves on. Yeah, and that's one thing I noticed where um, I'm a better beekeeper without gloves. You know, 100%. I'm more mindful of how I'm beekeeping without gloves. I'm more, you you get that little warning buzz when you when you brush up against a bee and you feel it versus if you had gloves on. They're going to give you that little, hey, man, you're coming a little close to me here. You're about to squish me. You're not going to feel it. You that, squish them. That is such a good point when you go gloveless. Like you will notice. I, I don't remember who told me, but um, if a bee lands on you, they're not going to sting you. Like they would have already done it. And you do feel that it was warning. Jeff Eckel, the inspector. Or it was Vince sure. maybe in a class. Um, but uh yeah, you you get to know like oh they're up. Oh, I'm kind of squeezing one. They they don't want to sting you. <laughs> they don't want to die. And they do communicate, and you can kind of get in there. I also think the thing with gloves is if you're going in and you're scared, put a pair of gloves on. You don't not you don't need to not wear gloves. Um, but if you're going to go in there and like fear is taking over, and that might make your inspection a little more herky jerky, just like not as successful. Um, put a pair of gloves on. Yeah, I I was just listening to a story about, we were talking about this last night, um, but just like having a mindset of being scared really negatively affects anything that you're doing. Mm. It takes away from it. And the story was the like original jujitsu master, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, the, 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 the patriarch of that dynasty family of jujitsu Brazilian dudes. Um, when his sons would lose a match, he would like overly, he would get, go take them out, get buy them a toy, take them out, get them candy, get them ice cream. And his whole thing was they can't be afraid to lose. Mm. They have to be totally fine with losing because in, especially in jujitsu fighting, uh, if you're thinking about losing, you're not going to be able to perform. Whereas if you're thinking about being scared as a beekeeper, you're going to make more mistakes. It's like energy being wasted and it's like energy, brain energy being taken up by something that it shouldn't be. So think, be mindful, feel your feelings. So what that is really is you're operating from a parasympathetic um, <clears throat> nervous system. Check out the big brains on Kara. Versus, versus a sympathetic nervous system. So sympathetic is not really what it sounds. It's like the op, it's your fight or flight. So if you're operating from fear, you're operating from a fight or flight and you don't have, you're trying to escape the quote unquote bear that, that your brain thinks is in front of you, right? So you, um, you don't really have critical thinking skills. And if you operate from a calm state, you can think more clearly, you have better decision-making skills, so really sometimes sometimes when I'll like go into the hive and I just kind of can check in and I'm like, oh, I am like a little anxious here. There's been times where I've stood in the middle of the apiary and just closed my eyes. This is so hippy dippy. Close my eyes and just kind of 
breathed and listened to the hum of the hives and just meditated yeah and just kind of tried to get in groove with them or like the first couple hives i've opened i've just been like kind of just you know hey girls i talk to the bees when i oh hey girls what's up i'm just coming here how we doing i remember uh throwing a gopro on kara and being like hey put this on when you beekeep and then like let's you know i want to see what and you weren't there i wasn't there what the footage looks like and then you know weeks later i'm playing the footage and it's just kara talking to the bee (laughs) oh it was great (laughs) and it was exactly that like hey what's up girls i'm here to I'm here to help. No, nope, I'm trying to help you. Hey, don't try to kill. Don't try to sting me. I don't want you to die. What are you doing? <laughs> Let me help you out. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, we need to isolate these sound bits. Yeah, that's funny. And I was like, oh, you heard that? You're like, of course I heard. I'm yeah. like, oh, I forgot about the audio. Your face. What other like beginner? Those were specific questions that we got. So I think also um, even the hive tool. So looking I, at the hive tool and knowing which one you want. I think having a hive tool without a J hook on the bottom of it is pretty pointless. Like I will use that if I can't find any other tools. Yeah, just like the crowbar style hive tool. It's they blow. Yeah, get a J hook one. You like the extra thing? I don't know. There's like I just like the simple J hook one, and it helps you pry the um, frame out. I don't really find it. A lot of people have those like hive, what those like frame hooks that like you hook like that you oh you put on the side of the yeah i've never really frame holder um i've never really used those but we just like put them on the ground next to the hive it doesn't seem to be that big of a deal if the positive thing with having a a frame holder is more the safety factor of you're not comfortable looking at a frame there might be a queen on it it's a safer place for that queen to be. Right, because then she could climb in the she, ground and yeah. be in the grass. That's happened to us before. Yeah, so, I mean, I can see the benefits of using a framework. Yeah, holder. but you can Not think about that. we do. Um, yeah. I. What other? Yeah, I don't know. So, um, I tell everybody, get take a class. You really got to take a class. And, you know, uh, I, I ran into our, a friend of ours, uh, this dude, Bob, ran into him at the airport um last weekend and he's like oh man tell me all about this farm you're building and beekeeping and we're going through it and he's like dude you got to teach like an online class he's like well, I don't, well this is what you should be doing you should be teaching online beekeeping bob's an idea man he loves entrepreneurial yeah. I mean, ideas a, he's a very successful entrepreneur yeah and uh and i i look at him and i go yeah man online classes everybody that's taking an online class and not taking an in-person class that i've be kept with doesn't know what they're doing like, yeah, it's hands on. I, it's a hands on learning experience. Um, it's a if you take an online class, it's good. You get that knowledge, hearing things, listening to podcasts, you hearing it, hearing things over and over again. It's going to kind of reinforce, but you're not going to learn what you're doing until you're in those hives and you're seeing it happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I re- highly recommend an in person class. Um, I think the good ones are typically, you know, once a month, they take you through the entire beekeeping season. Uh, and, and, you know, it's beekeeping's expensive. You know, classes are going to be like a couple hundred bucks. But that knowledge, think about it. If you are able to save one hive because you learned how to do it properly, it pays for itself. Right. Yeah. Done. I don't even think a couple hundred bucks is even that expensive for like beekeeping. Yeah. Considering you're going to drop like 400 bucks on bee setup period and buying bees for another couple hundred bucks. Like, yeah. You know, but still it all adds up and you got to save where you can save. Um, I do kind of like that we started with like just a veil 
and then we got a jacket and then we got a full suit because then we have equipment that other people can use when they come over. We should have had a jacket and a veil to start. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, you know. We've told the story. We used to use rain jackets because we were idiots and it was like wearing like a, like a sweat jacket. Yeah. Pretty dumb. Yeah, middle of the summer wearing like a rain why. jacket. Were we just being like No, cheap? because our bees, we were behind the eight ball and these bees were struggling. And then also the package we got, the second package we got that first year, full of mites. No, why did we not get jackets? Why did we use raincoats? I don't even think we knew. Yeah, I don't know. That seems like a weird thing not to know. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have the best teacher. We didn't leave, yeah, we I didn't was leave that confused. first year class knowing anything. I was real confused. There's teachers that are more confusing than, than not. Um, yeah, that being said, be careful who your teachers are. Yeah. You know, and and you don't know. You're not going to know. You're not going to know. I can tell you one way to judge your teacher. Okay, go for it. Are they teaching you what to do or are they teaching you why you're doing something? Mm, that's good. I see over and over again, this is what to do. This is what to do. Boom, boom, boom. Black and white. Or even this is what we do. Okay, that's fine. But if you're not teaching why you're doing that, if you're not incorporating a bee's natural life cycle, a bee... Like, are you teaching content? Are you teaching a skill? And beekeeping is, yeah, you have to have content. Like, I remember when I learned bee behavior, that's when everything, like, really shifted for me. Because I was also, like, yeah. oh, I get why... Why are the bees doing this? Like, oh, you don't really need to be scared of them until this happens, right? And taking that and transferring it into the skill, which is also that hands-on piece. Yeah, and I love like the uh, Thomas Seeley, Honeybee Democracy. Like his, he's two or three books, but I love that they dive into like why these bees are acting that way. You know, what is happening in that hive that is making them do what they're doing and it's it's not just like hey look it's they're swarming it's like this is why they're swarming this is this is the mindset this is how they got to this decision like it's knowing why and if you understand bees a little bit deeper and you understand why things are happening when something pops up that you haven't seen before you can make an educated guess on how to react to it yeah but if you're just taught this is what you do and then all of a sudden you're presented with this new situation you're gonna go well i wasn't taught what to do here that's like when we uh, had an angry beehive and thought that the queen was a bitch and I wanted to kill her. And then the inspector comes <laughs> in and he's like, yeah, he's like, I think they might be starving. And I'm like, oh my God, they are. Yeah. You're like, I'm the bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh man. Yo, Let's fix that. Karen and I are sitting at this bar the other day, sitting at the bar and there's like, definitely it's a, there's regulars sitting there. And this dude next to us. Oh my God. He was, and I'm not trying to be like, hey, you know, work for this brewery, whatever. I've been in the brewery business for 15, whatever years. Like, I'm not, I don't want that. Uh, I don't want you to say that either because the conversation then is so boring and they're uh, the same conversations that I've heard a billion times. And I don't feel like being a part of that. So, um, uh, we order this super rad beer from this, this brewery oxbow up in maine that we we love and they make these cool farmhouse ales and we order the saison and we're i'm like telling the owner who's behind the bar i'm like man this beer rules like this is so good and then this idiot goes well uh, he goes oh yeah he goes you know i don't really like uh i don't really like saisons he's like but you know all those vermont brewers they uh they make they make saison they, they really, the brewers really like making Saison's because it's the same recipe as the hazy IPAs that they're using. 
they just change the yeast and add wheat to them. And that that's why they love making them. And I was like, I don't know anything about this, but I was like, this guy definitely is not right. And then the person, the like couple sitting next to him's like, yeah, yeah, I know that's what it is. And I'm like, and it got me thinking, I'm like, they're not intentionally saying the wrong things. They believe this all to be true. Oh, yeah. And they're proclaiming it loudly and proudly. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> Kara looks at me. She goes, you wouldn't allow this at your bar, would you? And I was like, no, I would have corrected that right off the jump. Also, I was like trying to talk to you and all you could do is listen to their I'm like, stop listening. You're like, I can't stop listening. Can't, it's so it's bad. so bad. And I, I'm not going to say anything, but I'm just so distracted by the stupidity. <laughs> and it immediately made me think of bad beak teachers and just you know ask three beekeepers get five answers yeah you know those answers although they can be right a lot of them aren't going to be right of course also like if you're getting all of your information on social media and that kind of thing like where are you getting information but if a teacher's teaching you why something is happening if they're teaching you why bees are doing things that they're doing then it's you know it's not like that black and white this is what you do. Like I said, it's if you can understand bees more as this organism, super organism, yeah. Yeah, then you'll understand and be able to make better decisions. So, you know, unfortunately, you hear people talk and you're like they are just completely full of shit. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's the world we but live in. But you're not right? going to especially when you go into a topic that you know nothing about, you're going to be like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, that's good because it isn't black and white because you're not doing things the exact same as everybody else. Um, a friend of ours uh, that we had we we got through where we got our goats. This was a really rad sanctuary. They had bees. They caught some swarms. I don't know exactly how they got them, but talking to the person that was uh, keeping the bees, I've been like trying to kind of mentor a little bit. I don't know exactly the time to do it, but it's one of those things where I say like, "Hey, reach out if you have questions. I'll help you." I can't just like come out and be your be your mentor, mentor, but lean on me if you need to and she's like ah you know the one hive died she's like i think they starved yeah man that's like the worst feeling yeah that's the worst it's totally preventable and she's like but i did i did put the patties in the other hive i think they're gonna they're they're look not looking that good but i think they they uh they might survive because i did put the patties in like pollen patties well that's so i go patties she's like what do you use i go i we used just like baker's fondant this year but typically before that we just use like a little bit of water and and sugar and we put a sugar board in she's like yeah these were like these pollen patties and i'm like I go, oh man I go, they don't eat pollen not now I'm like that's not a thing in the winter they need sugar they just need pure carbohydrates she's like what what oh no and i'm like yeah so then i i, I sent her i'm like hey i'll we'll get you we have extra fondant like i'll i'll you know put some in a bag for you and we'll drop it off and she's like i looked again they died oh no but she's like and here here, i give her credit she's taking classes right yeah you know she's like i didn't exactly know what i was doing last year i just kind of got this thing thrown at me but now she's taking a class and she won't make those mistakes but like i could see somebody going like pollen bz pollen so oh yeah let me put a pollen pinner yeah so i'm like oh man you know easy beginner mistake I go on the internet, looking at Instagram, and I see this, this bad beekeeper who's teaching people when he shouldn't be or they shouldn't Is be. It that dude. Mm, and oh, sure man. enough, Can't stand this guy. he's like, the pollen patties got all moldy. I overwintered them with pollen patties, and they got all moldy. He's like, well, I must have put them in the wrong position in the hive. And I'm going, 
you're teaching people and you're you don't even understand that you don't don't use pollen patties in the wintertime he's charging people too oh so like it's just ah those and those students they have no idea how bad this guy is and how he doesn't know what he's doing what a dummy oh so but it was like it i mean ah, the algorithm just knows you know must have heard me on the phone talking about pollen patties and then showed me this immediately but i'm like this person is posing as a resource for people and charging people to be their mentor. Yeah. And he is making these stupid mistakes. So of course, like where does that go down the line? Well, I think also like you talked about like people using the flow hive and honey and being the number one thing. Like I know that guy is mentoring people because he's trying, he wanted to quit his job and he wanted to is make that the case. A, I have no idea. Yeah. I stopped following him cause I couldn't stand it, but he he wanted to make a living out of this. So his motivation oh. is getting money and supporting himself, which is fine, but that's the it's not it's not because he's educated and he understands and he wants to share this. It's like, oh, I need to make money, so I'm gonna teach people, but I don't really know what I'm talking about. Imagine if in our I I, I think he's I only think he's been beekeeping for like two or three years. Yeah, he yeah, he's a new beekeeper. Imagine in two our first two or three years if we no, thought we could teach people. Yeah insane yeah it's insane i still feel like what is that syndrome i still feel like i imposter imposter syndrome yeah i'm still like i can't believe we're like helping as many people as we are and mentoring like i feel like i have so much to learn still yeah but you know uh, the thing is this and actually in studying herbalism and studying um meditation one of my meditation so when i first learned meditation i was like oh my god i need to teach everybody this like i teach in schools i I am a teacher, like I want to teach people meditation. So I met with my meditation teacher and I just said, can I do this? Can I teach people meditation? And she was like, yeah, there's this, I don't know if it's a proverb or whatever it is. She says, don't carry a pebble and say that you're carrying a boulder. She was like, if you can't carry the boulder, don't carry the boulder. Carry the pebble, that's fine. You're allowed to carry the pebble, but don't pretend like you're carrying a boulder. And then when I... Um, talk to my herbalist mentor, I said to him, I was like, I'm going to start helping people. Can I, can I do this? And I was like, if I just carry my stone and not carry my, my boulder. And he was like, yeah, carry your stone and help people in that way. And I think it's the same way with anything that you teach, really just be honest with what you know, and don't pretend like you can offer more to people. Yeah. It's such a, yeah. And I mean, it's also probably why when we talk about things, we go, this is what we do. Yeah. Like I'm not, I, if you ask about something, I, if you're asking me how to handle war a hives no clue. or top bar, I'm going <laughs> to go, I don't know. I go, well, Hey, this is what I know about bees. You know, this is what, how I know that that tr- can translate, but I can't speak to that technique. So this is when you mentioned top bar, um, one of the people that is buying from us, she was thinking that she wanted to do, she'd been a beekeeper and then they stopped and they wanted to get back into it. And she was like, maybe I want to do top bar just to try something different out. Like I realize all the drawbacks with top bar. So then I said to her, I'm like, oh, are you going to do top bar? And she was like, ah, I don't really know. She was like, because what if I need to borrow a frame from somebody or something? She's like, it's not going to translate. She was like, and I don't know other top bar beekeepers. And I was like, oh, that's actually a really smart yeah, way to think about it. Yeah, that is a smart it. way of thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, we had some questions about mite treatments. Okay. So, um, someone asked about spring treatments and said, what do you guys do in the spring to treat for mites? 
to be perfectly honest with everybody, we really don't do anything for mite treatments in the springtime. One time in the winter, we, we do an, a vape at, when we know there's no brood and we knock, you know, literally that knocks like 99.9% of mites down. Uh, we do an oxalic acid vape. And then coming out of spring, you know, you've knocked all those mites down. And then in again, springtime, it's booming. They're making so many babies. The bees are able, a healthy hive is able to grow at a rate considerably faster than the mites can grow. So they're out competing the mites. They're able to control the mites themselves. What happens then is you hit that kind of midsummer point where, you know, the, the nectar starts drying up a bit. Plants start holding on to their resources. Then the bees see that and they go, hey, and this is that whole thing of like understanding how bees operate, right? So the bees go, hey, the nectar sources are not nearly as abundant. We need to chill with the amount of laying. They're literally communicating with the queen saying, yo, yo dog, you got to lay less. I mean, they're like nipping at her butt probably to like not let her lay as many eggs. They may even be consuming some of those eggs and right. reusing the proteins and stuff by eating their babies or their eating sis- their babies, their sisters <laughs> eating their sister babies. Um, I don't know if that's allowed in Alabama. Anymore. We should probably <laughs> ask the bees about that. But um, so th- at that point, they're not. There's not as much brood. They've restricted the amount of growth they can have. So all of a sudden their, their population is plateauing and then starting to dip because they're smart. They go, there's not as much resources. We can't have as big of a house. We can't have as many people living here. We, you know, we can't get as many groceries. So the population dips. And when that happens, the mites though are like, we have an unlimited amount of resources because we're eating you. You. (laughs) So the mites are able to then grow at a rate faster than the bees and that's when all of a sudden you get these mite problems so we don't even test for mites until june 1st yeah and at that point we're going to test once a month and then when they are over the threshold that we have set at two i think two percent six mites in a 300 sample then we will treat accordingly and we we do it with, with organic methods so because of that knocking the the mites down in the winter time we're not going to test or I mean, we're not, yeah, we're not even going to test, but we're not going to treat. But I will say when you're making a split, so anybody that has bees coming out of the winter, I think the hive we had, we had one or two hives last year that, that we never split ever. And those are, those are actually like pretty rad genetics where you're like, yo, they, they just had a really high population Yeah, those and are, those are like 150 pounds of honey hives. Right. And every time you go in, you're like, I can't believe they're, they've got to, I've yeah. got to find swarm cells. And you're like, is this right? I, can't, I know you, you doubt yourself, but th- other than those one or two by May 4th last year, every one of our hives had tried to split on their own. We found swarm cells. We don't split hives until we see swarm cells again, because that's more natural. That's what the bees are doing. The bees are making the decision that it's time for them to expand and double and, you know, create a new queen, blah, blah, blah. So we wait for them to tell us that they're going to do it. Um, so when you make that split, if you were are worried about mites, think about the mite, or excuse me, think about bees life cycles, right? So you make that split and you're going to give the the way we split we take the queen 
So more natural, the way that hives split when they swarm, they take the queen and they move her and they leave that cell. So that's how we do it. We leave the cell in the original hive, we take the queen and move her. Take the queen along with capped brood, right? We're not gonna we're not gonna give that frame that that split, we're not gonna give them eggs because if we're giving them fresh eggs, then those bees, the workers that are going with that split are gonna need to go get a bunch of pollen and they're gonna have to feed them. So we're putting them at a disadvantage because we're like, okay, now you got to go get resources that you may not be equipped to get. And then they'll have a lower population. You give them capped brood and they're about to hatch soon. And then you have more population. Yeah. So yeah, once it's capped, they just have to make sure they're keeping them warm. And, and then, when they're making the, the weather is going to be matching up pretty nicely. Cause again, you're following their natural rhythm and they know they're like, all right, it's warm enough. Let's do this. And then you have open, um, comb so then the queen can start laying again so that's just a really good way to do so it. so all that being said you are putting capped brood in these frames right and in that capped brood there may be some mites that's just natural the mites that's where they go that's where they procreate they're in those capped cells so if you wait for those all right so so here's the b math on it cap brood gets capped at day nine day ten right worker bees emerge at day 21 so if you get a frame or two of capped brood that isn't crazy fresh, and the way you can tell really fresh cappings are rounded, right? They're rounded upwards. They're like concave. Concave would be rounded outwards, right? Convex, convex would be is, inward. Yeah. So really freshly cappings, they're concave. And it's because there's some oxygen, there's some air in those cells, right? And then as as the 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 brood is developing under the cappings, it like deflates the cells a bit and then you're going to see it be a little bit more flat, almost a little concave. So as long as you're not getting really fresh cappings, then you know, okay, let's just assume day 13, day 14, right? So they're going to emerge within seven days. The next at the, at the most, the next, the, the, the fresh eggs that your queen's going to lay. Cause in that same split, there's going to be open frames that she's going to immediately start laying fresh eggs in. Um, those aren't going to get capped for 10 days. So if you know the math, then you know you're going to have at least three plus days where all of the brood has emerged and no brood is capped. And at that point, you can give them a little oxalic acid dribble or you can give them a half a gram of oxalic and vape them and you can knock every single one of those mites out. Nice. So if you're worried about it, if... If you see signs of parasitic mite syndrome, you see, you know, if you visibly are seeing mites, typically there's going to be an issue. But if you know, you understand the bee math, you understand how those bees operate, you can make a proper decision and you can knock it completely out. Boom. Yeah. Right. Good. And then the split, it doesn't have a queen, so they're getting a brood break. So that's helping with the mites also in the other hive. Yeah, we were gonna talk about um, we we're gonna talk about some some mushrooms and bees. I love mushrooms. All kinds of mushrooms, <laughs> all the mushrooms. Um, and uh, one of our followers, uh, I'm not sure his or his name, I think it's to him, but um, Shutterblind, what's up, dude? He uh, he was like, hey, do you know about Paul Stamets? I'm like, I love Paul Stamets. He's like the leading mycologist in the U.S. Um, and he has a whole thing about, that, about uh, bears and bees and mushrooms and helping their immune system but we're going to talk about that more in great detail in the next episode okay because i can just go off mushrooms yeah we can talk a lot uh, about mushrooms i love it but super rad i mean you guys should read about it on your own maybe uh, my herb corner can be a mushroom 
Yeah, ooh, we're gonna do a little double dip on the mushrooms, and we'll do mushrooms before the episode. (laughs) This is gonna be weird. It'll be the best podcast (laughs) ever. Uh, But we're gonna rip into some herb corner here as we finish the episode, and I love this herb corner. Yeah, this herb corner. Do you want to do some herb corner music? Herb corner. Oh, okay. A little singing herb corner. Uh, Oh, speaking of herb corner, I wanted to give somebody a shout out because somebody hit me up that was studying herbalism, which I thought was super cool. Nikki Davis on Instagram on Mind Your Hives. And she's studying um, with the Commonwealth Herbs online. So I looked that up and they have some really good resources, Uh, especially if you, I don't know if any of you out there want to become a clinical herbalist, but they have some really good resources for becoming clinical herbalists, whether you're kind of just trying to do it on your own or you're looking for a mentorship because that's another avenue. but I was happy to hear, like, learn of that resource through her because there's so many resources out there now, which is really awesome. Uh, but that seems to be a good one. All right. So today we are going to talk about propolis. Nice. Uh, so everybody knows what propolis is, yep. right? I don't know what propolis is, Carol. What's propolis? <laughs> propolis is... Uh, propolis? I, propolis? Pro- I kind of like when people say propolis. Yeah. I think that might be the correct pronunciation of it. It's funny because I I've heard the pe- the people I really trust say propolis, but then every once in a while Hear like propolis. a very high level yeah. will say propolis. I'm sticking with propolis. I'm sticking with propolis off, too, but it, I mean, who knows. So, uh, you know, so the bees go and they collect um resin from trees and then they mix it with pollen from every plant, right? Yeah, well, resinous plants. Got it. And um, but they found they've done some testing and that they found that well, it's from leaf buds, sap, leaf buds and sap from plants, um, and they found that uh, propolis often comes from um, populus and conifer uh, genus. What of is plants? Populus. Genus. So I know conifer. Yeah, What's conifers. Populous? Well, conifers is the trees that have like cones and needle-like leaves. So some of them would be like pine, fir, cedar, hemlock, spruce, all of those. The, the evergreens. And you can kind of picture them being like sappy and resinous. Yeah, yeah. Think about pine, you know, yeah. Totally. And if you look at like the buds on those trees, they're kind of like glistening. You can kind of see if you look under with a, like a loop, which is a plant magnifier, you can see that. Or like a jeweler magnifier. Jeweler magnifier. Um and then populous trees are like aspens, so like quaking aspens, their leaves quake. Um, poplars, like balsam poplars. Not you to know, be confused. With tulip poplars, we just learned this. Tulip poplars are not poplar trees. Tulip poplars are tulip trees, part of the magnolia family. Um, and cottonwood is also in our area. Um, those are some pretty common conifers and populus. So this is another thing to think of. We, we've said this so many times, like plant, plant native plants. And we said, if you can plant trees, but this is something to think of. Propolis is so important to bees. So if you're, you know, you're like, Hey, I got some space. I'm going to plant X, Y, or Z. Maybe thinking of that, if it's a more resinous plant, it could push you over the edge to plant that just for the sake of, of bees. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Um, so they take all this, their enzymes, the wax, the resin, the pollen, the honey, and um, they create this this resin 
um, that's antifungal and antibacterial, and they use it to seal up their hives. And uh, so we can collect it, um, and you, you really have to, like, clean it. It's kind of like, um, it's pretty full of all kinds of junk that you don't want. So this is the and that's clean more because propolis. We're, we're scraping it off of, like, weird spots in the hive. So there's often, you know, bee like parts and yeah. just, yeah, little wax bits and whatever. Um, so we were talking about uh, uh, woodenware. There's a method that you scuff up the ins. You never want to paint or do anything to the inside of the box. Oh, good. Right? Yeah. But there has been research that you scuff it up. So I actually have like a um, like a wire uh, brush? brush thing that hooks into a drill bit or what hooks into my drill. And I just and I scuff up the inside of the boxes and that will make them fill it with more propolis because ready for this? We're going to learn why. <laughs> because that's what they do inside of a tree cavity. Yeah, it's rough. They smooth the walls and they seal the inside of the tree cavity. So when you make it so that they have areas that are scuffed up and there's areas to do that to, it more mimics the tree that they would be living in. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Healthier hive, more propolis. So it so obviously, just like honey in different places, the propolis in different areas, primarily different like countries, is different colors. So the propolis here we have is like an orangey brown, but the propolis in Brazil is like this green because it and it di- has different um, constituents, which is different like uh, medicinal properties. So the propolis in the United States um, is high in caffeic acid, which is an anti-inflammatory, and that's like the highest compound in propolis, like that have these types of trees in their area. And I'm, I can't even go through everything that propolis is good for, but it's, if we're talking about energetics, it's cool and it's dry. So it's going to clear heat and it's going to clear moistening. So like anything that's like hot and damp. So if you have like irritation and like a lot of phlegm, um, it can cool the irritation. It can dry up a lot of that. Um, it's antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory for your mucous membranes, which lines your nasal passages, um, your whole respiratory system. Your it, It's actually from um, like everything that opens up to the outside world is covered in mucous membranes. So if you want to think about that, but like even... Yeah, like nasal lining, throat lining. Your yeah, stomach, yeah. but even your butthole and all that kind of stuff. Oh, you, you went there. <laughs> well, I mean... All right. <laughs> Uh, so it's good for all of that. Like we think about propolis a lot of times with the mouth, like a lot of people have throat spray, propolis throat spray. Yeah. So spray it in your butthole is what you're saying, right? <laughs> if you need it. <laughs> Sticky situation. Ooh. Uh, and, um, it can help with like, you know, that, that antibacterial. So if you have like any, um, bacteria in your mouth, trying to keep any like surgery clean. Also people that have radiation go through radiation oftentimes have really dry, painful, um, mouths almost to the point where they can't even Yikes. continue with their treatment because it's co- become so bad and uh, propolis can help like cool and um, ease like uh, the mucosa wow. in that. Yeah. Um, what else? Gastric ulcers, mouth throat infections, even propolis can come in tablets uh, and people with asthma it can help, like if you have kind of like a wet asthma, it can help with that. 
Um, we infuse it into our skincare, and it's like high in antioxidant. And it actually shout out Restore and Protect, yeah, our face balm with propolis. It is the bomb. Yeah, it really is, and it's got beeswax in it. Um, so it's actually keeping your skin clean as you moisturize. If you have warts, it's good for warts. It's good for MRSA, which weirdly enough this past like school year MRSA has been going around what's like, that like gnarly. bacteria they, they can't anti-bat or antibiotic resistant bacterial so like or bacteria gnarly. so like um you kind of got it like natural things often are good for it um oh i thought this was good because i know a lot of people get toenail back or toenail fungus and they can't get rid of it and they try everything ew i know and uh Propolis penetrates human nails and it clears up toenail fungus. So um, getting something that has propolis in it, this one study was like 20% propolis, 3% um, tea tree, and 10% aloe vera. And um, because it can penetrate underneath the nail and a lot of um, creams actually can't really do that. Oh, uh, menstrual cramps. I have those so bad. I know you get them really bad, um, but it can really help with that. It helps like protect your brain and your organs. And just like when you're sick, it's something good to take. Um, so the one thing that we found and I learned why is it's so highly resinous that when you make a tincture and you drop it in water, it drops out a solution and then it gets all over your glass and you might not be getting that medicine um, like you'll get like the sticky kind of one time we gave somebody a cocktail <laughs> with this and he's like, I don't think you washed this. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's our propolis glass. He's like, Oh, then I'll keep it. No, no, no. Give it back to me. I want to know. He's like, dude, you gave me a dirty glass. We're like, eh, it's kind of permanently dirty. Yeah. Sorry. But they do have propolis capsule capsules and tablets. And then you don't have that problem. So that's just one way to think about it. And I think with, uh, with uh, everything though, you, you know, you got have to know to properly, infuse properly extract propolis just like every herb everything and i think a lot of people probably are not properly extracting and i remember we weren't going to use propolis in our skincare products until you learned the proper techniques and the proper ratios to use how to extract it to get all those medicinal properties which is way too much to explain right now yeah but just you know that it it may make more sense and it also may be a lot cleaner for you to go get from a trusted source right propolis and i didn't know they actually were in tablets that's great yeah i just found that out too and actually like people are looking I, people ask me if we sell our propolis so that could even be i don't know see something. the thing is we're not you can put a propolis trap on a hive we're not doing that all the propolis we get is sustainably harvested it's from just scraping frames that we used you know so we don't really have extra like we're just able to get enough from X amount of hives that we're using to then use in our products. But I don't want to No, It's such an important, it's so important for those bees. I'm not trying to make them over collect and then just steal all of it that they're using. Like not good. Yeah. Uh, but you really want to be aware of like bee allergies. So I find that people are just like taking propolis. It's like this hot thing. And, um, you want to make sure that if somebody has a bee allergy, they, they could go into anaphylaxis from 
ingesting propolis. No way. And one way to check with that, it's pretty easy. So the first time, if anybody's ever going to use propolis or you want to try it with your kids and make sure it's safe, you drop a little bit on your wrist, you know, like that sensitive part of your wrist, and you let it dry, and then you cover it with a Band-Aid, and you let it sit for 24 hours. And then you take off the Band-Aid. If there's any redness or irritation at all, don't eat the propolis. Wow. Yeah. Now, wait, how would, if you got like pills or something, how would you do that? Um, you'd have to buy some propolis and just oh, check, okay. I guess. Interesting. I wonder, I don't know if you could like scrub it on your yeah. skin. I would try with the tincture. That's maybe. interesting though, that somehow that bee venom property transfers into that propolis. Yeah. That's wild. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you have to be careful with that. Don't just think you can take it willy nilly. And then make sure you're also taking it for the right stuff. Right. So if you have like, um, if you have something that's like not, um, if it, you know, it what needs to be hot and damp. So irritated, wet, kind of that kind of thing. That's when you want to take it. Killer herb corner. Yeah. That's propolis so is good. cool. Propolis. I was excited that we did that in our herb class because it's not really, I mean, it's plants and bees. So it's like the special thing, but it's so highly medicinal that can be part of the part of your arsenal and like once again these bees are so unbelievable they create nature they create medicine they create medicine they just know to to get this resin and mix it whatever and it and, becomes this unbelievable becomes antifungal, antibacterial antimicrobial like honey these properties that honey has bees beeswax burning beeswax clears the air and converts ions and is healthy it's the only healthy candle to burn beeswax candles don't burn all those other candles they're terrible for you like yeah they're polluting how do bees have all it's so nuts well it's not only bees it's every insect and animals like we did nature man we did white pine i think we didn't we do white pine as an herb corner maybe yeah and uh they the power lines came, the power lines didn't come. The p- people that were working on the power lines came and they trimmed our white pine tree. And I was like, oh, leave the branches. And we gave them to the goats. And the goats, the bark of the white pine is highly medicinal. And the goats were eating the bark and they don't really eat bark the, of other plants. The, the only plant I've seen them eat, the, they were ignoring the, the, the whatever, leave, not leaves. Needle like leaves. Yeah, they're leaves. The needles. And they're chomping on the outer layer, the bark, like, you know, with their weird teeth. Getting the medicine. Going like, how do you know this? There's this universal knowledge out there. It's so wild. Yeah. So. So, yeah, if you listen this far. You're a rock star. Check out CaraJoSkincare.com. Cara with a K, Joe, J-O. CaraJoSkincare.com. Find us online. CaraJoe Bee Farm. CaraJoe Skincare. Mind Your Hives, obviously, all on Instagram. Um, please, we ship everywhere. It's so fun when we get an order and somebody's like, oh, listen to your podcast. It's just like an added high five bonus. It's really basically the only money we get out of doing this, (laughs) except for those couple people that throw us a bone via Spotify, listener support, y'all rule. Thanks again, everybody. Bye, guys. Happy bee season. It is so close to being upon us. Get ready. Peace. I'm out of here.